Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Follin. Thanks for listening. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by the podcast host. If you're thinking of starting a podcast, maybe you've got one, you want to grow it. You just don't know quite where to go. Well, I've just told you, the podcast host. Take a look, thepodcasthost.com. But right now, let's crack on with another guest. And this time, find out what it's like being freelance for designer Rachel Shilcock. It sounds really obvious, but I realise that I do my best work when... I'm excited by it and when I'm really inspired by the person that I'm working for. There's no reason we need to do this on our own, that's the thing. We can get support from other people, so just find whatever group it is that suits you and then go with it. Hey, how are you doing? Welcome to another one. So beingfreelance.com is the website where you can find key takeaway points for this guest, but also loads of other creative freelancers all chatting about being freelance. And remember, because I've not said this for a while, I realised, even if they're not doing the job that you do, I guarantee there is value to be had in them their heels. Subscribe on iTunes if you can. And thanks to everybody who's been leaving reviews as well. Very kind of you. So yeah, beingfreelance.com. But let's crack on and speak to this week's guest based in Manchester designer Rachel Shilcock. Hey Rachel. Hello <laughs> thank you for having me. Why don't we get started chatting about how you got started being freelance? Sure so the actual <laughs> the actual going freelance was something I think I'd wanted to do for quite a long time. Um, I worked in first my first job in the industry I suppose was at a finance company um, and that was the people were great but the job wasn't amazing and I very quickly moved into another Uh, into an agency and then into another agency after that Um, and I really enjoyed working on the type of things I got to work on in agencies but in the end long story short with that agency I was at it didn't work out very well and I got signed off with stress and all sorts and that was the actual push that I personally got going into freelancing and I didn't have any savings I didn't have anything at all um, planned not even any work planned and because of the what was in my contract at that agency as well I couldn't Um, I couldn't even tell people that I was going freelance publicly, not even on Twitter or anything, until my my notice period was worked as well. So it was a really, really interesting time, I suppose is is a good word to use, when I first started. But I then um, very quickly, luckily because of the relationships I'd built up over the years, I'd been able to contact friends in, you know, in that notice period I was working and I got I got work lined up and I, I managed to keep myself going, luckily. And now it's been whew, about three and a half years, roughly. So four years in September this year. Nice. So, yeah. so leaving that agency, does that mean you did you have much of a portfolio to be able to show as well? Um, no, because you weren't really supposed to freelance. It was in our contract, yeah. and that was something I didn't really know until I actually got one little job on the side, and they were like, oh, you shouldn't mention that here. Um, so I was like, okay, sorry. <laughs> but I couldn't really work up much of a portfolio at that point. But I think the work that I'd managed to do, I, I wouldn't even call it work, but I'd built up a lot of friendships over the years from the very second that I joined Twitter and started, you know, interacting with people. And I guess that really paid off for me because it meant that people knew of me and knew of the kind of work that I like to do. And they were willing to put that trust in me because they knew me anyway. So that really helped. So with no savings and no portfolio, (laughs) you're suddenly a freelancer. Yeah. How did that feel and how did you get those clients then? I, I, I mean, just via Twitter, just via those people? Yeah, a lot of it was via people that I knew. 
I did a lot of work with some friends I knew in in particular agencies that I worked for and I went in and did sort of contracting type work and that was really good at least for the first four or five months really sort of getting into that. I did some you know design work and things for other people and managed to build up a small portfolio quite quickly um, because all of the other work I'd done really had been personal projects so it wasn't really anything that really showed what I could do but I think for me it was all about the friendships and relationships I'd built up and that really did pay off for me because it meant that I could then slowly start building up you know contacts and work I mean I loved for example the the agency I was contracting at was really good but I then realized doing it that I didn't want to I didn't go freelance to then just go into other agencies and do some work for them as good as it as I was you know I really enjoyed it I didn't it didn't set me alight it didn't get me excited every day so and how would you say your business has changed in over those three years? <laughs> Drastically every single month, it feels like. <laughs> it has been a challenge. There's been so many ups and downs and they have been through quiet periods or they've been through, you know, quiet periods of my own making where, you know, last year, for example, I decided to really niche down in a way of what I was doing instead of doing everything for everybody or anything actually I decided that I really wanted to work with a particular type of client and then that meant that for a few months I had a really difficult period of quiet projects because I was working on my own brand and what I wanted to do and I guess it's it's really evolved is a good word to say because I've tried to follow my heart every time and and tried to trust me and my intuition and decide what really matters to me and what I really want to do and and I've done that, even if it's been really, even if it's meant, you know, not having some work coming in at points. So what is your niche? At the moment, because like I say, it can change or it could even get even more niched. But at the moment, I kind of, I, it's, it's designing brands and websites for soulful, visionary entrepreneurs. So what I mean by that is people that run their own business. So it's not a big company or you know, it could be a small business, but I I want to work with the people that are at the heads of those small businesses, um, or they're, you know, a singular person that's built their own business themselves. And the reason that I went for that is because I, I joined um a course called B School, which I think is being promoted at the moment or, or around this time. But I I joined this course and got my eyes opened wide to this sort of particularly female dominated entrepreneurial industry and all of these people that were running their own businesses and building courses and offerings and coaching and different things. And I just got so inspired by it. And it sounds really obvious, but I realized that I do my best work when I'm excited by it and when I'm really inspired by the person that I'm working for. So I kind of decided then that these people with big dreams, I really wanted to help empower them and enable them to chase their dreams and to actually try and achieve them through having a gorgeous visual brand and website. So that came out of a a course. Have you done many courses to develop yourself? Yeah, I joined this one course, which was probably the first major one I'd done. And it, you know, some of it was really relevant and some of it wasn't so much because it's aimed at general business owners and entrepreneurs and stuff. But I kind of went through this fear of missing out and signed up to loads of courses after then. To say I've taken them all would be a lie um, and gone through all of the work. But I'm definitely someone that really wants to always improve myself and, and always thinks there's something new to learn, whether that's on a project I'm working on or something that I want to improve about myself or my business. So you're glad you've done those courses, even if you haven't finished them? Yes. Yeah, because there's always been something that I've been able to take from 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 that course so whether it's 
the whole thing has been so incredibly helpful or whether it's just a portion of it has really helped me to get clear on one particular thing that I'm struggling with at that point. Because it can almost feel sometimes with courses is that you you come away either like, I don't know, feeling like, oh, uh, I know, lesson one, what's your audience? And you're like, oh, man, I don't even know the answer to that, which is a, exactly. helpful, a helpful thing to consider. But Or you come away with so many options that you're almost paralysed by possibility. Yes, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm in something called the Conquer Club, which is, um, they describe it as an incubator for female entrepreneurs. And for me, it's kind of mentorship and teaching all rolled into one. Um, from people that have been there, done that and understand it and have, you know, I've got stuff to teach you about about the things you want to learn. So last week there was a call on sales and it was absolutely incredible. Yasmin Cater, who was the lady that actually gave the call, is so knowledgeable about it. But instead of, you know, for me, when I when I think of sales, I used to think of it as something really pushy and icky and like, oh, I really don't want to do that. People are going to see right through it. But for her, it's kind of, you know, you're, you're being of service by being here and by being able to help people achieve what they want to achieve through you helping them with your work. And when I sort of switched it up in that way, I was like, that makes so much sense. And it, it really helped switch my mindset on it. But then I was like, overwhelmed for the rest of the day, kind of like, okay, I need to figure this out. And I want to figure this out. But my brain is just about to explode. And I don't know what I'm doing. And that's <laughs> what I love about that is that I've kind yeah. of slowly got a little less overwhelmed with it. But at the same time, you know, you can you can have everything together and you can completely understand what you need to do. But then there is something that will always trigger something that sort of overwhelms you or makes you think, all right, I really need to make this better. And I like that because I, I do like that feeling of always wanting to learn. I was the kind of geeky kid in school that really wasn't necessarily the best at every subject, but really enjoyed learning. I guess that having that having that challenge of constantly improving myself is, is really good and it really pushes me to be the best I can be and do the best work I can be. So so with the Conquer Club, do you come back on a regular basis, like less than having a lesson, perhaps, whether it's, yeah. that's sounded a bit, you know, like a webinar type situation, yeah. but is there like a mentorship, like conversational element to it as well yeah there's a lot of support that they build into it so it's a year-long program almost but it's not like a typical course so there are the teachings which are actually in a webinar style they have slides they have you know we have a chat box that always goes crazy because we all love each other so much like the other members um, and we're always chatting and agreeing and having like these epiphanies as these calls are going on um, and sharing them with each other but then there's also they have like a membership site so we have kind of forums and discussions and there's also a private Facebook group where we're always sharing our insights or asking for advice or questions and I think having that community and you know particularly um, for us as women it can be quite hard to find other women that are doing what you're doing so even though there I mean there are a few more designers in it this year this is my second year there um it feels like such a sisterhood almost of, of, of women that want to come together and really help each other out. So like I said, there are more designers in it this year, which is great for me because there was only about two or three of us last year. Um, but this year there's quite a few people, but even people that I think just surrounding yourself with people that have got the same sort of mission and values and purpose as you with what they want to do, but they're doing a completely different business. You know, they're nothing, they're not a web designer or a developer They're you know, they've got a skincare range or something like that, or they sell mala beads or something, you know, it's, it's completely different. And I, I find that quite refreshing 
because it gets me out of that that whole mentality of this is what I'm doing and it's just going to be in this little bubble which is what I have a habit of doing it sort of gets me to interact with other people who actually am some of my most ideal clients are in there I have one client who's the community manager of the Conquer Club and is really heavily involved and does so much behind the scenes with it so ah interesting because I was gonna ask I you didn't join it to get clients no no not at all but I was wondering whether or not you know because they're not all designers because they are entrepreneurs And that's who you're you're after, you say. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Whether that had worked out that way. Yeah, and that only came about, my, my niching down in that way only came about through being in the Conquer Club. So I'd been in B-School for almost a year when I then joined the Conquer Club. And the Conquer Club was completely different for me because it was it got me focused. And I feel like last year was all about sort of taking all of this information in and trying to apply it and not really knowing where I was. Whereas this year, for some reason, I feel so much more sure of myself and what I want to do and who I want to work with. But yeah, naturally, because of, again, it goes back to that building up relationships and friendships. That's that's one of the reasons I joined because I loved Natalie McNeil, who runs the Conquer Club. I loved her sort of ethos and the feel behind it. And then when I got in there, you know, I just, just, you know, I was just helpful. I just did what I could to help people when I could. I built relationships and friendships with people you know some of my friends and they're now are some dear friends that I just adore but that's naturally then started working its way out in that way without me even being pushy you know it's just and I've been recommended as well by so many people in there even even if they haven't worked with me they know what I'm like they know the quality of my work and um and that really does pay off excellent is is there things which have come out of there which you've taken action on where you've seen a real benefit from or maybe some other things where you've gone you know I've piled a load of effort into that and now actually I'm going to ditch it or I'm just wondering well one thing I did start doing was actually packaging up my work and that was because there was a great demand from people actually contacting me myself saying we'd love it if there was a package that we could work towards you know so that we know what what we get for what money um and that went drastically against everything I've done before where it was very customized proposals or quotes per client and what was really funny is that I did that and I've put packages together and then I've got I think one client on one of the packages but then I've not had anything else any other client in them packages and it's from research I've been doing recently just in the past week or two it's coming out that there's a lot more people wanting more customised quotes and packages at the moment. So that's kind of not frustrating because I think the one thing that I'm learning to do a lot more is pivot and change. So I've not, I'm going to be removing those packages and I am going to be going back to more customised quotes and proposals for each client, you know, based on their budgets um, and what they need more than anything. Because I think that's the one thing that people can struggle with is not knowing what they actually want and, and need more than anything. But um, yeah, that was one thing that was a little bit funny um, because I was sort of right, okay, I'll put all this work into creating a package, do all of that, update my website, update everything else. And then, yeah, no one bites. No one actually wants the packages. They want something custom. I noticed you have an email list. Did that come out of one of these? Um, That was actually something that came out of B-School and it's something that I've really slowly and gradually started building up. So it got to something like 400 people on it without much effort on my part to be honest um and then I deleted over a quarter of those about two or three weeks ago because I was trying to I'm trying to create a list that's really engaged and really 
sort of highly qualified is what I would call them so that they really are interested in my work and what I've got to say and what I'm doing. How do you gauge that by looking at a list? Can you just see whether they've clicked to open or? Clicks, opens, um, but also the actual engagement I get back. So I, I do try to put a call to action in my emails and I do try to get them to take action on something. Um, so I tend to get quite a few replies to emails that I send out. Um, I sent one last week and admittedly I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's in my planning, which I've been doing a lot of this, um, like this year since January, um, is to sort of be more consistent with how I communicate with my audience, whether that's on my website and my blog or whether that's my email list or both. So what I've been doing is um, I emailed them last week for the first time in two months, which is really bad. Um, And I was just talking about that and what I'd done this year so far. And I got quite a few email replies back and people that were interested in that. And that's the important thing, I think, is to instead of a lot of people create an email list just to sell to. And while that might be one of my secondary or even like tertiary aims, it's not my it's not my main reason for having that list. My main reason for having that list is to build an audience around my message and what I want to do and to share that with them. And I think people can see the intentions behind everything that you do, even if it's subconsciously and they don't realize that they're judging you. They are. Um, and I think if you can make sure that everything that you put out into the world is of a pure intention and of an intention of not just trying to get money or get something from them and you're just trying to give what you can to them I think that will be really beneficial to helping oh that's nice um (laughs) while we're talking about uh audiences and messages I should point out of course that this uh, episode is supported by the podcast host who can help you get your podcast up and running if you're thinking about using that as part of your freelance brand and uh, developing yourself or maybe if you've got one help you grow it they have courses that you can uh join on study in your own time or they have like one-on-one mentorship and monthly mastermind groups uh, stuff like that and they even have a facility where you record it and then you send it to them and they edit it and publish it for you and take it all off your hands so wherever you might be if you're thinking about doing uh, that then do check them out the podcast host Dot com. I'll put a link, of course, in the show notes. And thanks to them for um, supporting this. And um, um, I mean, that's actually something that you have done, <laughs> isn't it? Podcasting? Yes, I did a very small run of a podcast a few years ago, but I'm starting again very soon, actually. Ah, um, so how how long did it go for when you I think originally it, I think I only ended up publishing four episodes, but I recorded five. Um, that's one thing I've learned ever since sort of particularly with the Conquer Club and particularly this year, um, is to plan everything and to really set in dates and know exactly what tasks need doing when. So I got very overwhelmed the first time I did it very, very quickly. And it felt like it was um, a real struggle and it was taking up too much time compared to, you know, I was spending two days um, a week really recording it editing it getting it ready to go out which when you work for yourself and you know time is money it Mm. really is no matter what you're working on whether you're working on writing a book or or your own you know client work or your own stuff you know two days out of five is just not acceptable so it very quickly overwhelmed me whereas what I've decided to do this time is take the pressure off so I love listening to shows like me and you that we're on now like interview type type shows I really enjoy it but I realized that that wasn't my forte and that wasn't what I was really good at but one thing I do get asked a lot is questions and questions about what I do and how I do it 
Um, and I thought that that was actually a really good format for a podcast. So people can submit questions and I will answer them. So I get to talk as much as I want. <laughs> <laughs> so that can, I'm hoping they'll be between anything between five and 15 minutes, depending on how involved I get in the question. Um, but then I, you know, people can submit them, I can answer them and it's a much easier thing for me. But even though it's such a small thing like that, I've still hired like a podcast editor, I've still hired a, a transcriber because I know that I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> you know, I've got more important things to be doing with my time than getting really annoyed uh, at garage band and stuff and getting really angry. So, um, yeah. That should be fun. Cool. Good luck. So, so <laughs> when he, I mean, obviously people could be listening to this at any point, but w- yeah. what's it called? When's it going to relaunch? Gonna be a, it's going to be the same name as my old one, which is kind of strange, um, but Beyond Ink. And it's going to be at beyondinkpodcast.com and it should be launching on March 11th. If you're listening after that, you can list, go over straight away and listen. But if not, then it will be going soon. <laughs> there you are, accountability now. There's yes. a- <laughs> exactly. It's kind of scary to tell people. But. It, it, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, people often talk about the being consistent and, and doing yeah. it. But equally, I don't think there's any shame in trying something and then giving up when you, like you say, two days exactly. out of five is crazy, isn't it? Exactly. When- and I think it's just to do with knowing what your strengths are and knowing what you're really good at and what you enjoy to do. So just because you're a web developer, for example, doesn't mean you need to learn every single tool as it comes out and do it. Just because you're doing a podcast doesn't mean you have to edit it and do it all yourself. You know, ask for help when you need to, um, but understand what you enjoy doing more than anything and just go after that and do that. You mentioned writing a book in amongst all of that. You have actually done that, haven't you? Yes, I've written two now. One was published with Five Simple Steps, and it's a pocket guide to working with design and brand guidelines. Um, And another one I self-published last year in two weeks, um, which was a very stressful process. Um, (laughs) It was part of Gumroad's um, Small Products Lab Challenge, um, and I was actually the mid-lab challenge winner, so that was quite fun. Nice one. Um, but yeah, I've self-published that and that's the revolutionary brand workbook. How have you found, have those like worked for you other than being satisfying perhaps to complete? Yeah, I think so because it kind of shows that you've got credibility in a way that you've actually taken the time to create something. So while I spent, you know, not full time for two weeks, I had client work on and all sorts on last July when I did the workbook, but while I've ended up putting all of that time into it, you know, the sales haven't, I haven't pushed for sales, admittedly, which is something, you know, part of all of the sales funnel stuff I want to sort out this year. And, you know, but I've, the money I've made back on it perhaps doesn't equate to the amount of hours that I spent on it. But the credibility that it gives to people is really, really brilliant because people were like, okay, so you've now published two books. You've been published with a publisher as well. Wow. And it's like, yeah okay yeah I didn't think it was that big a thing to be honest (laughs) I really didn't but people it gives people a really good impression of you because you've spent the time to create these things to benefit other people and again it goes back to that whole giving back people see it as quite a a good professional thing to have done but again I wouldn't do it if I didn't find it fun to be honest and didn't enjoy it and you've also mentioned being part of like communities and and Facebook groups but you started your own right Yes, I did. Um, it's a private Facebook group. At the moment, it's secret, um, simply because we've had 
a crazy amount of spammers trying to get in. So secret means if somebody searches for it, they wouldn't find it. They right? would not find it. Yeah. Hopefully by the time you're listening to this, it will be there and available. If not, then drop me an email or a tweet via, you know, the, the various contact methods listed and um, and I'll sort you out. But yeah, it's a group for freelancers. So people that are listening to this, really, um, web designers, web developers, photographers, writers, there's always an interesting sort of community there and I'm really proud of the community as well because they've managed to we're at nearly a thousand members as I'm speaking to you now and that's been really organic I've not done much promo other than the odd few tweets and writing a blog post when I first started it like 14-15 months ago so I've not really done much to promote it but people just seem to really really get what that space is about and I really like it as somewhere that is to me, it was it was like the water cooler for people that freelance. So we don't have that kitchen area that you can go and chat to other people in, you know, like you would in an office, unless you work in a, in a co-working space, which I don't. You know, I work from home. I'm an introvert. I actually really value being on my own in my own little, <laughs> I call it my nerd cave because um, I try to think like I'm Batman. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, if it's, it's that really, I really wanted a safe place for people because Twitter can get so angsty at times people can get really annoyed at each other um and there's sometimes little spats going on and I just wanted it as a safe space that people could go and ask a question without being ridiculed or being put down and I'm really proud that the community there has respected that and is really helpful to each other even if they're not in that industry or something they can give their viewpoint and it's a lovely place to be, to be honest. I'm not as active in there as I should be, but I've I've got big plans for them this year and ways to sort of give back to them and, and say thank you. So Yeah. I think it's 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 worth, you know, if not that one, people seeking out that kind of group yeah. to try and well, not feel so alone and as exactly. you say, ask questions, find advice. Yeah, there's no reason we need to do this on our own. That's the thing. We can we can get support from other people. So just find whatever group it is that suits you and then go with it you said when you started freelancing you had no savings yes <laughs> and now i don't i don't need to know about your um, stockpiles and offshore accounts now. <laughs> but how have you found like the financial side of of being freelance it's definitely not easy um i think if you can start freelancing w- with some savings or at least very quickly you know work it into your um into the way that you price your projects, that you've got enough money to to live off and to save. I think that's really important because there will always be ups and downs as well. Like I've, the past two years over Christmas, I've actually had two big projects on, but this year just gone um, over Christmas, I didn't really up until, (laughs) up until early to middle of December have projects planned over that time. So it's very, pardon me, it's very, difficult to make sure that you can get the cash flow going and get it working really well that's one of the reasons why I'm sort of identifying with that entrepreneurial side a lot more with not just doing work that relies on me to do the work you know one-on-one stuff like web design and branding and all of that but actually to sort of build things like my workbook and to build you know I'm looking at building some mini courses and larger courses and things like that that will help people to learn and can still give back in a way that I want to but on a more mass scale so that I can reach more people with it and and that's something that I think is something that a lot of freelancers could potentially look into doing because I think we've got the skills we've got the talents you know if people 
like a coach or a writer have this sort of idea, they'd have to hire people like us to do the work. Whereas I'm really lucky that if I get this course idea, I can go and create it and then build the website for it and build the membership side into it and get people being able to purchase it without it costing me any physical money because I've got them skills to do it. And I think that means that we're in a really a really good opportunity that we've got to actually put our skills forward and use it for, for helping other people as well and to actually help make us more money and get cash. You know, passive income is a big topic and it can be seen as a dirty word sometimes, but I think that is where where real stability can come from, where you, your business is not just reliant on you. So if you got, you know, God forbid you got really ill or something, you can't work, you can't get the money, you can't pay your bills. You know, and I've had that with various things at times where I've got, you know, I was working on a project the last three weeks that should have, you know, three and a half weeks it took because I got really ill at the very beginning of it. And I just couldn't even look at a screen without like wanting to just cry. <laughs> you know, I was like, I'm so poorly, I really can't do this. But then... I, you know, if that, that's just the odd situation that that happens, but that project took longer because I was ill and then therefore took longer to do it. Whereas say I spend a month, I don't know, just I'm picking an arbitrary figure out of the air here because it would take probably more than that. But if I took a month to build a course and yeah, money might have been tighter during that time, or I could still work on client stuff and it'd be fine. I could then launch that course and it, you know, as long as there are systems in place and you've got all of that stuff created, that can just make you money while you sleep. And that can just, you know, it, it happened for me with my workbook. I literally made money while I slept because I had that there and I had people going to it. And I'd wake up with a Gumroad notification on my phone and I'd be like, oh my God, I've sold a book. You know, and <laughs> it's kind of exciting. It is really exciting. But also at the same time, it's another way for you to get cash flow, you know, going and get them streams of income coming in that I think a lot of freelancers probably don't think about doing, but they could. Yeah, nice. Okay, now I always do this thing where I ask for three <laughs> facts about yourself, make two true, one a lie, and let yeah. me figure out the lie. What have you got for me? Okay, so number one, I won a national photography show. Number two, I'm scared of coconuts. <laughs> number three, I got to dress up in the Iron Man suit. Um, <laughs> why are you scared of coconuts? They're just furry and weird and the fact that they have milk inside them and then they, I don't know, they just, and I'm scared of them because I always think they could fall off a tree and hit me on the head and then I'd be like, oh my God, this is crazy. And, you know, knock you out and stuff. Yeah, probably not in Manchester to be. Well, yeah, that's true. Is that Unless you... they fall off a shelf in the supermarket. <laughs> you settled in Manchester because you thought it's safe from You know this what, is a there's coconut no coconuts here, I'll be okay. <laughs> um, and what was your photography award? Um, I won the under, I think it was the under 16s um, National Photography Award. It was published, um, it was the, for the, oh God, I can't remember the name of it. It was, um, <laughs> it was a national photography show, but it was all science based. And then I won, I won a camera. So, yeah. And then you've been in the actual Iron Man suit. Yes. And I got to go like pew, pew, pew with like <laughs> the hands and everything and fly around and, and, and destroy stuff. I can't wait to see which one you choose. You've not been in the Iron Man suit. I've not been in the real Iron Man suit, but that is a truth because I was one of the first people in Manchester to do an augmented reality where you got to 
essentially you looked like you were dressed up in the Iron Man suit and you did get to fly around and everything else. So to me, I was in the Iron Man suit. You've d- you go, choo-choo! Yes, and I was. <laughs> Wicked. If you could tell yourself one thing about being freelance, what would it be? I haven't told you what the lie is yet, though. Because I'm actually not scared of coconut. <laughs> What? Oh, well, hang on. I thought that you were saying the Iron Man no, that was, was well, no, a lie. No, to me it's true. To me oh, it's true. right. So you're <laughs> genuinely not scared of coconuts? No, I'm scared of bananas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, which is so funny. They're just like the weirdest things. If you ran at me with a banana in your hand, I would run away, literally. <laughs> oh, that's great. I, I thought it was one of those things. Oh, I've not been in the real Iron Man suit, but I did this. Oh, no, I to me it was real. real. To me it was very real. I'm obsessed with Iron Man, so I'm like, In that yeah, case, in I was suit. totally convinced by your coconut story. The <laughs> so way, the way you, you reeled that off with such detail, I think, oh, Matt, you tricked I me. I just good. pretended it was a banana. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, so what was that final question again? If you could tell you yourself one thing about being freelance what would it be my younger self I would probably probably tell myself just to enjoy the process a bit sooner than I did so I'm very much now following my heart following my intuition doing what feels right and good to me but it took me a good two years to get to that point so that's definitely what I would tell myself awesome and you know you left full-time work because you were all stressed and stuff and yeah is, is it all gone now Yes, thankfully. I've I've got tools in place to manage my stress. So I love meditation. Um, if something really does annoy me that much and I get stressed by it, I just walk away yeah. and just ignore it. Walk away from the fruit bowl and ignore the banana. <laughs> I'll walk away from my desk avoiding the fruit bowl as I go. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, yeah. thanks so much uh, for chatting to me. You can uh, find out what Rachel's up to at beingfreelance.com where we'll have key takeaway points from this chat and links to some of the things uh, she's been talking about like Conquer Club and the podcast and what have you. I don't know quite how you find enough time to do everything that you seem to be doing. I know, everyone says that, so I need to blog about it because i need to let people know my productivity secrets almost sitting there thinking is there aren't any yeah when does she actually do any work as in paid work exactly yeah to be honest i mostly do my paid work (laughs) i fit everything else in around it at the moment so yeah it's a bit of a juggle but i definitely need to write about it because last year i let it go too far and i ended up in hospital and it was it was actually a suspected heart attack, and I'm 25, Jeez. so that's, like, ridiculous. Um, it turned out nothing that serious. It was just asthmatic problems mixed in with some certain painkillers I had for, like, a, a joint problem I've got. So all of that mixed together basically caused the same symptoms as a heart attack. So it was like what you – as in you were working way too much on client yeah. products and yeah. just I was, your own I stuff. was working client work all day working even if I was going away from my desk and say gaming online on my gaming computer I would then have my laptop at the side of me and be doing so much stuff at the same time and then I'd go away afterwards and do even more and it kind of got to the point where I was like right okay this is a wake-up call I need to balance it out a bit more so I'm still working late time at times and still doing things but I know how to deal with it now so instead of doing it doing it doing it i'm kind of okay let's take a step back today and if i don't get it done don't beat myself up that's why i said i walk away because i'm very much a perfectionist (laughs) Mm. so yeah it's been a it's been a learning year the past 12 months in particular i think uh even eight months actually i'd say so man well i'm glad that you've sorted yourself out yes i'm fine yeah i get i I found i get very paternal about guests and start to worry about them (laughs) no don't worry i'm fine what i've realized is that 
nothing is more important than yourself, really. And I knew that anyway, because like this joint disability I've got and stuff, it can be really tough. I'm in pain every day and stuff like that. But I've got systems in place now to deal with that and to help me with that. And I realized I need to do the same with everything else. Um, and yeah, everyone says to me all the time, actually, I don't know how you get it all done. And I think, well, I don't know how either. So let's just see how that works out. <laughs> but yeah, oh, we get it. Rachel, thank you. And all the best being freelance. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. 